You are listening to the India in Focus podcast, jointly brought to you by the Lakshmi Mittal and Family South Asia Institute at Harvard University and the Times of India. Welcome to the India in Focus podcast. I'm Ira Pundir, the Communications Manager at Harvard's Lakshmi Mittal and Family South Asia Institute. For this episode, we are joined by Pavan Sena, who is a professor of vision and computational neuroscience in the Department of Brain and Cognitive Sciences at the MIT. His work among the visually impaired children in India received a US Presidential Award in 2012. Pavan, welcome to this podcast. Thank you very much, Ira. A pleasure. Let us begin with uh, Project Prakash and uh, the idea behind it. <clears throat> Project Prakash is an effort that's very close to my heart. Uh, it's a dual theme project. Uh, it allows me to to feel useful in an immediate way to society and it also allows me to to be true to my scientific roots uh, and to pursue basic scientific questions. So there are two goals for Project Prakash. One is to identify children who have been born blind in India and typically these children have been born in remote villages. The parents do not know that their child's condition is treatable or even if they suspect that the child's condition is treatable, they're often so poor uh, and so far removed from any uh, sophisticated medical facility that the child does not receive any treatment. So one goal of Project Prakash is to find these children and bring them to New Delhi to provide them the very best surgical care possible to treat their blindness. Embedded in this humanitarian goal is an unprecedented scientific opportunity mm-hmm. and that is to try to understand mm-hmm. how a child who has been born blind mm-hmm. and then who gains sight say several years after birth, mm-hmm. how this child begins to learn to see mm-hmm. and how the brain changes with the onset of sight. These are big questions for neuroscientists mm. and with Project Prakash we have an unprecedented opportunity to make some headway on these questions. So how do the ways in which these children learn to see compare with uh, the ways infants learn to see? That's a great question and I don't think we have a very definitive answer uh, to that yet. It may well be the case that the details of the developmental trajectory in Prakash children are quite different from the developmental trajectory of a a newborn. Um, But what we are finding is that there seem to be some similarities. The data that have been collected with the newborn normally uh, sighted children seem to suggest that there are some cues about the visual world that a baby is very sensitive to. And we are finding uh, that the Prakash children also show sensitivity to similar cues. Mm -hmm. So there seem to be some similarities, but because vision is so complicated, there are so many aspects to vision, we cannot at the moment say that the two developmental trajectories are identical. Could you uh, maybe explain a little more about the outreach process? Yeah, the outreach part of Project Prakash, it's the very first component of our three-part effort, the three parts being outreach, treatment, and scientific research. Outreach is by far logistically the most complex uh, aspect of the work. 
what we do over the course of the year is organize pediatric screening camps in remote villages and the selection of those villages is guided by governmental statistics like from the Serv Shiksha Abhiyan which has some guidelines about the prevalence of the visual impairment in a given district or a cluster of villages. Based on those data, as a starting point, we organize ICAMs where our teams comprising primary healthcare workers, uh, optometrists, sometimes ophthalmologists, they go and screen children to determine who are the children who can actually benefit from surgery. A lot of our outreach is concentrated in the Gangetic Plains. Uh, the Gangetic Plains are of course the population, the, dense, the most densely populated part of India, but they also suffer from uh, not enough medical resources. So we find that as we go deeper into the Gangetic Plains, more towards the east side of UP, we find more and more cases of untreated childhood blindness. We are also venturing into Madhya Pradesh. Uh, we have also conducted eye camps in Rajasthan and Haryana. So it's a fairly broad-based outreach effort. Okay, and given that you're a neuroscientist, what are the insights that you have gained from this research? And uh, what are the applications of those? Uh, yeah, it's a, uh, a great question. Mm -hmm. um, the first and perhaps the most critical insight that we, we have gained is that the brain maintains significant plasticity even late into childhood, perhaps even in early adulthood. So this was a concern for, for Project Prakash at the outset of our, of our work. Essentially, are we coming too late on the scene to benefit the child? Uh, there has been uh, a notion that as we age, uh, our capabilities become more and more difficult to acquire afresh. And certainly in the case of vision, there is a notion of critical periods of visual development, suggesting that if the brain does not receive normal visual input in the quote-unquote critical first few years of life, then forevermore it would be compromised at doing vision perhaps uh, so substantially that there's no point in correcting the eye past the age of seven or eight years. Um, so we were worried that maybe this, this dogma is, is strictly true and we would not be, be serving a beneficial purpose by operating the children's uh, eyes. But what we are finding through the data that we've collected so far is that children gain significant visual proficiencies almost irrespective of the age at which they are treated. Um, so their behavioral proficiencies increase, their ability to use vision, for instance, to walk around the world without bumping into things, their ability to recognize objects, their ability to recognize each other. Uh, that takes a significant improvement. But also using neuroimaging, uh, so functional magnetic resonance imaging or fMRI for short, we are able to get a glimpse of changes in the brain directly from before to after surgery. And what we are finding with fMRI is that there is significant evidence of plasticity. So that's been one of the most important 
results from Prakash and it has essentially served as a gateway result. And by that I mean once we know that some measure of, of visual function acquisition is possible even late in childhood, then we can get to the question of how that, that uh, function acquisition happens. So we can begin to get at questions of process rather than just possibility. Mm -hmm. um, so many of our experiments at the moment are looking at how it is that children are acquiring capabilities on uh, a variety of tasks. Okay, so you mostly talked about the Prakash children and um, about how you can learn to see even after a certain age. So have you worked with adults and have the results uh, tallied? Yeah, um, so we have uh, the age range that we have had uh, the opportunity to work with is very broad. The youngest child I believe we have worked with is either four or five mm -hmm. and the oldest we worked with is 29 years of age, so uh, a young adult. Um, and what we are finding to our pleasant surprise mm -hmm. is that despite this advanced age mm -hmm. in developmental uh, timelines, even the young adults mm -hmm. gain significant function. Uh, so even if you are 20 year old and you've had severe visual compromise for the first couple of decades, mm -hmm. you're still able to acquire significant visual function. So that uh, suggests to me that the brain maintains significant stores of plasticity even that late in life. Mm -hmm. Once the precaution acquires sight, what are the steps that should be taken to uh, maybe um, uh, you know, have them uh, go back to education or... Uh... So th that's a, a very important point. At the outset of Prakash, I had this Pollyannish view uh, that once the child gains vision, even though they have lived a very difficult life until that point because of their blindness, they've typically stayed out of the schooling system. My thinking was that with the onset of sight, the world of opportunities would open up to them. They would for sure be able to get admission in, in regular schools and uh, begin progressing uh, towards uh, a financially independent life. But in following up with many of the children a few years after we had treated them, I was dismayed to find that many of these children had not joined an educational program. Um, and the reasons were typically that they were too old to be starting their educational journey, uh, say at the age of 10, mm -hmm. a child who has had no schooling would be considered too old to be starting grade one. Sometimes the children are even older. Uh, and because these children are just learning to see, they typically need some accommodations on the part of the schools in order to help facilitate their acquisition of the classroom instruction. Um, and very few schools are actually willing or equipped to provide that kind of, of help. So what we have realized is that there is a critical need to not just provide medical care to the Prakash children, but also to provide them the rudiments of a scholastic education to bring them to some age-appropriate level in their preparation, after which they can be mainstreamed. So uh, your question is very appropriate that we can't just rest mm -hmm. with, project, with thinking of Project Prakash as 
purely a medical intervention, we have to also uh, provide some educational uh, uh, intervention. And we have taken some baby steps along those lines. We have started a residential program for uh, the Prakash girls. At the moment, it's not co-ed, it's just Prakash girls. And the small cohort that we have, uh, six uh, young girls, mm -hmm. they have shown remarkable progress in very little time. Mm -hmm. And that gives us hope and faith that this is the right thing to do um, and we would like to expand this program. And I think it was in last in October when we heard about Prakash Vision Centres being opened up in two blocks in Gorakhpur district of Uttar Pradesh. Uh, could you tell us a little more about the vision centres and what is the vision behind them? <laughs> yes. Um, so the Prakash Vision Centres are, I would say, the, the youngest initiative mm -hmm. of, of Project Prakash. And they are born out of the realisation and the observation that there is a significant need mm -hmm. for providing basic eye care mm -hmm. in the rural communities. Mm -hmm. Things that we take for granted in the cities, that if we ever have say blurry vision, uh, we can go to an optical store and get glasses. Um, and without the glasses, our lives are quite difficult. We are at risk of, uh, of falling, getting run down on, uh, by traffic. So this basic level of, of eye care is often not available in villages. And we felt that to be true to its name of bringing light into into lives, we ought to provide uh, this uh, service in the rural communities, uh, from where people often have a hard time coming to to cities. So we wanted to have a presence of Prakash uh, in the rural communities. Uh, this would provide care to the villagers, mm -hmm. but it would also serve as a way for us to screen on an ongoing basis children in that community so that if any child needs more extensive care, more extensive than what could be provided mm. uh, in the Prakash Vision Centre, they could be referred to us in New Delhi. Mm. So with that uh, thinking uh, of providing immediate uh, care to the rural community and also to act as a, as a permanent referral uh, centre, we have started uh, the Prakash Vision Centres in in two communities in, in near Gorakhpur, Pali and, and Brahmpur. Um, one slightly longer term goal with the Prakash Vision Center centers is to begin to serve as destinations for the children that we are treating as part of Project Prakash. So I talked about how education is important for the Prakash children. But we perhaps need to think even beyond education. What happens after a child gets to grade 12 uh, or maybe even does some college work? Um, can we provide one possible destination for them to, uh, to apply their, their learning, their vision? And having Prakash vision centers be the places that uh, the Prakash children or Prakash young adults eventually go to and begin providing eye care services to the community, mm -hmm. I think that would be a really beautiful and a really poetic mm -hmm. completion of the circle, that a child who was initially visually impaired himself or herself mm -hmm. is now in a position to, to 
improve the vision of others. That sounds like a great idea. And I know that it's been 15 years since you set up Project Prakash. So you've been tracking the earliest children that you treated. Have you been tracking their progress through these 15 years or after a while it becomes difficult to manage the tracking? Yeah, so uh, tracking is, a, is an interesting challenge. We try to track the children as long as possible. Uh, often it's several years, but sometimes, uh, I, I would say more than sometimes, uh, children move away, their families move away, or they get a new cell phone, mm -hmm. and we lose lose touch. Mm -hmm. uh, but I would say that for the majority of children, mm -hmm. we have maintained contact with them over several years, uh, and it's and we have in fact uh, a couple of years ago conducted an, a quality of life survey mm -hmm. with about seventy of the Prakash children. Mm -hmm some of whom had been treated several years ago. And what's very gratifying to find is that across many indicators of quality of life, be it general safety, be it the sense of independence, uh, the aspirations for the future and people's attitudes towards them and their families, the Prakash children all report a significant improvement in their, in their life. And that, I think, is the greatest uh, joy that we can derive as uh, the Prakash team members. Uh, getting good scientific data is certainly nice, but to be able to see that we have positively impacted lives, that's much, much better. For anyone listening to this uh, podcast who has never you know, interacted with someone who's visually impaired because you don't see them in the public that much because of limited accessibility, uh, so, do you have a message for them how they can get involved or maybe how they can help? Them? So, I would first uh, mention our, our website mm -hmm. that uh, people should, uh, uh, should feel free to, to visit and see, learn more about our work. It's projectprakash.org, www.projectprakash.org. Um, in terms of getting involved, uh, please get in touch with us. We, if you are a student, uh, who is interested in the science uh, of Project Prakash, we may have uh, possible internship opportunities uh, for you. Um, if you are a person who uh, is running an outreach effort in rural communities, please get in touch with us. We may be able to benefit from your understanding of the rural uh, landscape. And, uh, and if you know any person, who has significant visual impairment, um, who you think can benefit from uh, a second look, uh, who might benefit from a medical examination, please get in touch with us and we would be happy to, to be of service. Excellent. Babu Sinha, thank you so much uh, for joining us for this podcast and it was a pleasure to host you. Thank you very much, Ira. Such a pleasure. Thank you for tuning in. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud, and check out past episodes by visiting our show page at mithalsouthasiainstitute.harvard.edu slash India in Focus podcast. Until next time.